Ultimately, I'm always right. <laughs> it's actually a very good rule of thumb. He's always right, ultimately. All right, he's a human being. He makes mistakes, sure. But on the big things, I do believe I agree with him. He's always right. Now, we're finally hearing from Donald Trump on this whole Joe Biden document Corvette fiasco. He was on the great one, Mark Levin show. And there's a lot here, a lot of wisdom, a lot of presidential insight that I think you only get after you've been president. Here we go. If you look at uh, all of the different legislation that's been passed over the years, I mean, you were supposed to be dealing with them and talking to them. We were doing that. All of a sudden, they raid Mar-a-Lago, and we had it secure. Look, Mar-a-Lago, you know Mar-a-Lago. It's a very secure place to start Absolutely. off with. But the Presidential Records Act, if you take a look at the Presidential Records Act, that's there to protect the president and also the country. And I fall under that. Plus, I have the right, as you know, to declassify documents and the vice president doesn't have that right, has mm -hmm. no rights to do that. He comes under the Federal Records Act. That's a very, very strict act, whereas the Presidential Records Act is very much different. And we were living up to that. And then all of a sudden we got raided, I guess, for publicity reasons. But I don't think that publicity worked out very well for them. And now they're starting to find all of these highly classified, not just classified, highly classified documents. And if you look at the picture of him in the Corvette and take a look behind it in the garage, they got papers strewn all over the place. It's a mess mm -hmm. of all the papers. I've never seen anything like it. I love it. He cuts through everything. And it's true about the Presidential Records Act and what he can do as opposed to federal employees. And in many ways, Joe Biden, as an ex-vice president, as he was at the time, was kind of like a federal employee. There's more. Uh, they just got announced that Hunter Biden is the actual owner of this house, Hunter Biden. And you know what his reputation is and uh, the problems he's had over the years. So it's a, it's a disgraceful situation. Uh, they appointed a Trump-hating prosecutor, hates to a level like you wouldn't believe, his wife, his sister-in-law, all of his friends, all the big Trump-haters. And this guy is, uh, you know, really Smith. an atrocious Trump-hater. And the man they appointed as the special, I call it prosecutor in my case, the special counsel in the other case, is a much different type of person. He's right, again. And that guy with the purple cape, really, it's true. His wife made a movie about Barack Obama. The family gave money to Democrats not to be trusted. All right, now Joe Biden had those documents in his garage, as opposed to the documents that President Trump had at Mar-a-Lago, a world of difference. You know, Mar-a-Lago is built like a, a fort. You know, Mar-a-Lago was supposed to be Marjorie Merriweather, Pust E.F. Hutton built it. And they built it really as the Southern White House that uh, was gifted to Washington. It was actually built because of its security. It's got high walls all over. It was built because of the security. And on top of that, we have the Secret Service here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had a very well-guarded situation, whereas... You look at where they're finding these documents in an office with no security or in a garage with absolutely no security in a house that wasn't even owned by him, that was owned by Hunter. And I think you're going to find a lot more because in Delaware, I understand they have a tremendous sash of documents. And I'm sure when you look at that, you're going to find documents that you didn't even believe. It is wild. Hunter Biden owning that house as he checked on a form. This confirms suspicions. Hunter Biden has been complaining to his family for years 
that he has to foot all the bills in a text to his daughter. I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. There's a lot there. This is one weird family. More for Donald Trump on Mark Levin. I landed before 11 o'clock. We were in Mar-a-Lago shortly thereafter. I was still president of the United States, I believe, until 12 o'clock. And I was in there. That's a big difference, too. And we were allowed to take this. Uh, Many presidents took things with them. Uh, Clinton took. And in fact, he won a case called the Sox case. (laughs) And they were taking it out in Sox. But Clinton took and Nixon took. They actually paid Nixon, I think, $18 million mm-hmm. for the things he took. He sued them, and they ended up paying. And I think that's really how the Presidential Records Act came about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you take a look at Bush and Bush, uh, they took. They all took. But what I take, it's uh, a little bit different. And what I took, I took I was allowed to take it. Again, the president has the right to declassify uh, Mm -hmm. all sorts of rights that a vice president doesn't have. It's true. A president has so many more perks and so much more in the way of authority. The discretion to say what's personal, what's not personal, what's presidential, what's classified, what's not classified. He has that authority. And oh, by the way, the perks. Yes, a president gets Secret Service protection for the rest of their lives. Obama and Trump, yeah. And now Joe Biden, but when he left office in 2017, Joe only had the Secret Service with him for six months. That was it. He was walking around like an ordinary citizen, 2017, 18, 19. All right. Now, what about China? Biggest problem, Mark, is it's China. China gave $55 million dollars. Mm-hmm. To the University of Pennsylvania, where I went, I went to the Wharton School of Finance at Penn. And, uh, you know, I'm disappointed in them as a school. But China was paying through that money. Uh, Biden got a million dollars a year for a think tank, mm-hmm. if you can believe it. So they paid Biden a million dollars a year out of the money that China gave. Now, if China wants to see those documents, I'm sure they would say, come on, let me show you. I believe that. Remember, he was so tight with President Xi Sky, he understands, he understands it all. And there is precedent, important precedent. One more. These are Obama administration documents. So clearly the National Archives did not get all the documents, quote unquote, when they are with Joe Biden. So the National yeah. Archives lied. They did, and Biden took them, and maybe Obama didn't even know that, but Biden probably, possibly didn't. But uh, Biden took them, and as vice president, he doesn't have the rights to do this. And what he did is a very, you know, it's a very serious problem. It's a very serious problem. But it's not a problem for me. I'm allowed to do that. And you look at the law. The Sox case that I told you about, that was a case that allowed Clinton to take things that he took. He took Mm -hmm. things. And they ended up in litigation, and Clinton won, meaning he was allowed. It's a very famous case, the Sox case, and he was allowed to take things as president, and I am too. And they made such a big deal out of it, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and he was acting so sanctimonious, by the way, uh, to use an interesting term. Uh, But Biden, if you take a look at it, 
what he did, and then all of a sudden this stuff just starts coming out. And I have a feeling a lot more is going to come out over mm-hmm. the next uh, coming months in terms of him. I share that sense, don't you? All right. However, doesn't Joe Biden have an excuse? I've been hearing it all week long, right? They found these documents and they called the National Archives right away. I mean, immediately. They immediately called the archives, immediately called the archives, turned them over to the archives. The lawyers did the right thing, and they immediately turned them over to the archives. When President Biden's team found these documents in the two locations... President Biden's team, they turned over these documents without being asked. They turned them over immediately. Immediately, the media, the politicians, all on the same set of talking points. Immediately. Five years later. That's not immediate. That's five years later. Left office in 2017. This stuff found 2022, 2023. Six years later. Six years later. Now, consider this. The National Archives was hassling President Trump about documents and in touch with the administration uh, before President Trump even left office. So you see those boxes, January 20th, 2021. This is moving day at the White House. I wouldn't think that's a big deal. But some bureaucrat did. Take a look at this. This is the archivist of the United States. I can remember watching the Trumps leaving the White House and saying to myself, what the hell's in the box? (laughs) So this guy makes a federal case out of it. That began a whole process of trying to determine whether any records had not been turned over to the archives. It's fascinating, right? This guy's getting on the phone, making a big deal out of it. And Trump is still president. Now, that's immediate. It's a lot quicker than six years, isn't it? I don't think they were calculating, but this all works to Donald Trump's advantage. All right. We got to hear the clip of the week, right? One more time. Joe Biden with this perfect airtight excuse as to where these documents are. They're safe and sound, right? Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So but anyway. Was in a garage. Yes, as well as my Corvette. My Corvette, my Corvette, really proud of it. And in a locked garage, what can go wrong? First of all, Joe Biden doesn't live in paradise. He has a nice house, but guess what? Gangbangers have been known to drive by and shoot up the place. Yes, shots fired outside Biden's Delaware home. It's a few years ago, but it does happen. And Delaware itself, Joe's been showing off that Corvette. You know what Delaware has? A lot of car thieves. Yes, an unusually high number of car thefts take place in Wilmington, Delaware. Sometimes people's garages are broken into. Look at this national survey, actually. These statistics, everything in purple is Delaware. Everything is green in the rest of America. Auto thefts compared to the rest of the country, sky high in Delaware. And remember, Hunter Biden is involved in all of this, right? He actually owns the house, probably has access to the (laughs) Corvette. And remember, he did have a problem. I hope he's kicked it. But this is a real problem. Do you want your landlord, he owned the house, do you want your landlord to uh, be like this? I went one time for 13 days without sleeping and smoking crack and drinking vodka exclusively throughout that entire time. So that's the guy 
who had access to secret classified documents in his own garage, in his own library inside the house. Joe Biden has a very, very serious problem on his hands. Yes, they're trying to make this go away. It's not going to. He will not be the nominee. Trust me. Guaranteed. I'll be right back. We the people. Sounds nice, but it's quaint at this point. I don't think that's what America is about anymore, unfortunately. The power in the swamp. We the swamp. The swamp. Well, they think they're in charge. The paperwork says otherwise, but right now it seems like the swamp is in charge. And they have authority somehow over our democracy. It's supposed to be a democracy. You know, the swamp loves Barack Obama. And I do believe, I've said this before, that he is pulling the strings behind the scenes. He's definitely running the Democrat Party and probably the country. And that's a problem. In fact, nameless, faceless bureaucrats, totally loyal to one side, although maybe they'd make a big exception from time to time. Something is going on here. And I suspect the deep state. Now, I want to go back to 2017. This is very early in Donald Trump's administration. Basically, the first thing he did as president after the inauguration is go visit CIA headquarters. Okay. now there was tension between Donald Trump and the intelligence community and the FBI uh, during the transition, during the campaign. They spied on him. But he thought, let's start with a fresh clean slate. He made a real attempt to start anew. Take a look. I want to say that there is nobody that feels stronger about the intelligence community and the CIA than Donald Trump. There is nobody. The wall behind me is very, very special. We really appreciate what you've done in terms of showing us something very special and your whole group. These are really special, amazing people. Very, very few people could do the job you people do. And I want to just let you know, I am so behind you. And I know maybe sometimes you haven't gotten the backing that you've wanted and you're going to get so much backing. Maybe you're going to say, please don't give us so much backing. Mr. President, please, we don't need that much backing. (laughs) But you're going to have that. I believe that this group is going to be one of the most important groups in this country toward making us safe, toward making us winners again, toward ending all of the problems. We have so many problems. I can only say that I am with you a thousand percent. I just wanted to really say that uh, I love you. I respect you. There's nobody I respect more. You're going to do a fantastic job and we're going to start winning again and you're going to be leading the charge. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you all very much. Have a good time. I'll be back. I'll be back. Thank you. Amazing, right? What a beautiful gesture. Sincere words. Let's do this together. Let's let's defend America together. And a good chunk of that community stabbed him in the back, the front, tried to trip up his administration, sabotage it every step of the way. You heard what I just heard, right? Now, let's see how that went over in the swamp. 
He gave an absolutely disastrous speech in front of the wall of stars memorializing fallen CIA officers. Trump went to the CIA and stunned everyone by giving a rage-filled political speech on hallowed ground. He began his presidency with an incredibly inappropriate speech to the CIA. <laughs> We're not hallucinating. That's the same speech. We just saw it. You see what they're saying about it. This next gentleman worked for Obama, especially treacherous. Listen to this. To do it in front of that memorial wall, 117 stars there of many of them unknown intelligence agents who gave their lives in battle. To make it a rally kind of speech with a lot of offhand, some attempted attempts at humor was disrespectful in their view. Uh, and I think understandably so. My phone has been lighting up with, with folks who were just insulted by it. So, uh, was Donald Trump set up here, right? <laughs> he speaks where they set up the podium. He, is there a problem? Now, was this a setup? By the way, that's not a mausoleum, everybody, all right? That's not a graveyard. It's an auditorium, essentially. They're out to get him. And as Chuck Schumer said, that's what they do. Damn the country to be damned with them. Let's just get our adversaries. He's taking these shots, this antagonism, yep. this taunting to the intelligence Let me tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. Wow. I guess the intelligence community really meant business, huh? The deep state. The deep state. They think they're more important than us and who knows, they may not have only attempted to remove Donald Trump, but maybe they're orchestrating this stuff against uh, Joe Biden. Has his usefulness suddenly expired somehow? I don't trust them, and I don't actually trust our odds. There are 9.1 million people who work for the federal government. We have 537 elected representatives at the federal level, 537 if you count them all up. Now, let's remove the military from the equation. That's 7.8 million 537 to uh, to manage them. Who's going to win? <laughs> Who's going to win? Remember General Mark Milley? I like to call him mutinous Mark. This is a pretty benign picture, don't you think? Uh, a general walking with the president. It's not a parade. I don't see much in the way of fanfare. But Milley was mortified by this moment. And he actually apologized for it. This is in the middle of Black Lives Matter. And some editorial writer said, this is political. And look at what he did. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. I wish Donald Trump fired him on the spot that day. It didn't happen. One of the mistakes he made... But it gets creepy here. It's bad enough, but this is a general. He wasn't elected. He serves at the pleasure of the president. His commission is signed by the president of the United States. But somehow he thinks he's the one to decide when, where, and how, and over what the military fights. Racism and discrimination, structural preferences, patterns of mistreatment, Unspoken and unconscious bias have no place in America, and they have no place 
and our armed forces. We must, we can, and we will do better. Unconscious bias, by the way, is junk science. And even if it exists, there's nothing you can do about it, all right? <laughs> he shouldn't be thinking about it, let alone talking about it. And this is the guy who just apologized for getting involved in politics. All right, this is the creepy part, okay? This is, is it up to him when and what we fight over? I think he thinks it is. All of us in uniform are willing to die for that idea, the idea that is America. And so we must also be willing to live for that idea for freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to peacefully assemble, and freedom to vote, and freedom to believe as you wish in your religion. These are essential freedoms that are the cornerstone of our country. Americans have spilled their blood to protect them in the past, and they continue to be worth fighting for. This we will defend. This we will defend. You could look at that one way and say, oh, that sounds great. He's talking about American values. Um, it's not up to him when, where, and how we fight. And oh, by the way, as far as defending those things, I guess it didn't apply to Afghanistan, did it? This is the swamp. They're in charge. They try to take President Trump out, and I actually think they're trying to take Joe Biden out. Now, Joe Biden, I'd be okay if they had impeached the guy a long time ago. I think he should resign. He has no business being president. But I don't like the swamp pulling the strings here. And I think that might be what's happening. Who remembers Vindman? A lieutenant colonel in the United States Army tried to topple a president of the United States. You think he did that by himself? Of course not. He had the full backing and support of probably almost all of the United States government. This is, um, this is military coup territory military, sometimes civilian. Now, finally, we're fighting back. I'm talking about the forces for good here. And Kevin McCarthy, I'm liking this guy a lot. He wasn't Mr. MAGA. That's all in the past. He's going to take on the deep state, finally. We will hold the swamp accountable. From the withdrawal of Afghanistan to the origins of COVID and to the weaponization of the FBI. <laughs> music to my ears. And the FBI should expect some scrutiny after that farce they pulled in Mar-a-Lago, huh? Allowing themselves to be used like that? Are you kidding me? Now, get this. The swamp knows the people are coming for them. We have laws, we have procedures, we have committees, they have oversight. This is all perfectly legal, constitutional. It's American. Listen to how the swamp is reacting, overreacting, hyping, trying to scare people, scare people of our democratic leaders. This is becoming very dangerous on a very personal level because what this committee is going to do and what the speaker has clearly already demonstrated he's going to do is they're going to discard the fact and they're going to attack people personally and endanger their lives. <laughs> Just questioning the FBI is endangering lives. This is an ex-FBI man totally in with those, uh, those guys at the top. Going to hurt people, right? Lives are at stake. Give me a break. Next. We're going to see threats, um, uh, extortionate blackmail type threats where sources, methods, techniques are going to be threatened to be exposed, if not actually exposed, by these committee, by 
committees, people like Jim Jordan and others, under the guise of transparency. But what's going to happen as a result is people are going to get hurt. I trust Jim Jordan a lot more than I trust this guy. How about you? Somebody we never heard of, somebody we never voted for. They're nervous. They're nervous about what the people are going to find out. And then there's this guy, another swamp favorite, who was involved in the Mueller investigation. Uh, he's also nervous, understandably. So he's hyping it all, trying to say that, you know, the boogeyman is coming. Rhetoric correlates to actual violence. You can um, mention the names Ruby Freeman. You can uh, refer to uh, Paul Pelosi. But again, you can look at what happened on January 6th. This is the natural consequence of what happens with that kind of dangerous rhetoric because of the concern of domestic terrorism. We don't like them. We don't like the president being raided. We don't like uh, mandatory vaccines. And we're domestic terrorists, right? Our bona fide, genuine criticism led to Paul Pelosi getting hit in the head with a hammer in his living room. As if, huh? But they hide. They hide. They're hiding behind their over-the-top uh, rhetoric of their own. And also by some of the heroes who do work for the federal government. They're out there, but they use them as a prop. The men and women of the CIA are a national treasure. And the professionalism of the men and women of the U.S. military. The men and women of the Department of Justice. The men and women of the Department of Defense. The men and women of the FBI remain committed to protecting the American people, our democracy, and the integrity of our elections. That's great. But remember, they work for the people. They're not in charge. You guys work for us. And the people have elected Jim Jordan and a bunch of other great patriots. And we're going to get some accountability, finally. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Rob Carson. Are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turn a blind eye to inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings? When you finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings and retirement, diversify into gold with Birch Gold. I am tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by leaders in Washington. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, and stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert your IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word ROB to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With over 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by texting ROB to the number 989898. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, secure your gold. Start today with the free info kit. There's no obligation to make this request. Just text ROB to 989898. So, my book, have you heard? It's available wherever books are sold. And I so appreciate it. If you already bought one, I would appreciate it if you bought one. Thank you. Uh, it's important, quite frankly, I believe, to support conservative voices. And what I'm talking about in this book is important. I'd like to move the national conversation to a sane place when it comes to race and law enforcement. 
It's called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. They have so many fundamental just misconceptions, and a lot of them want to abolish the police, actually. So it's near and dear to my heart. My father, uh, the book is actually dedicated to him. Here we are as little kids with him on the beach. My mom took the picture. That's me on the left, agitated for some reason. My dad was a, well, a legendary police officer. After the Marines, he went to the police academy, more than a thousand other cadets. He graduated number one and went on to a long and successful career as a police officer, ultimately becoming the police commissioner, the very top cop. Now, when I was growing up, the idea that he would not come home from work, it was real. Uh, back in the 70s especially, it was far more dangerous. A dozen cops in New York City were killed in 1971. And I'm actually old enough to remember this case when two police officers were gunned down, Rocco Lori and Gregory Foster, two great hero cops. Now, from my book, in those days, a lot more cops were shot and killed than they are today. In 1972, there was a famous assassination of two NYPD officers that had faded from memory. Gregory Foster and Rocco Lori were young guys, black and white, in their early 20s, patrolling the East Village. Foster and Lori were approached from behind by suspected members of the Black Liberation Army who shot them dead and stole their guns. The BLA was a radical terrorist group that sought to take up arms for the liberation and self-determination of black people in the United States. They were implicated in 70 acts of violence in the early 70s and the murder of 13 police officers. But who remembers them today? And who remembers the fallen officers? And who remembers those left behind? Again, I'm old enough to remember this case and I remember this picture in the newspaper of the widows. And you notice, and I pointed out earlier, one was black and one was white. And it's something the liberals don't understand about policing, about blue collar life, about those who work with their hands, that we are far more likely to work with people who don't look like us, black, white, red, brown. It's, it's not a big deal. The liberal left has corrupted the entire conversation. Americans know how to get along with each other. But because of this heinous, sick narrative, false narrative that's been created, there is a real increased danger out there for the men and women in law enforcement. 59%, the murder of cops went up 59% the year after Black Lives Matter summer. And you've seen it. They've glorified, glorified images like this. When it's the NYPD or another police department and they're trying to control a Black Lives Matter protest, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? And so many people who signed up for this Black Lives Matter, they have no idea what they actually signed up for. Communism, the abolishment of the family, of prisons, of police. And it affects the men and women on the front lines all the time. Now, here's a case from Michigan. A police officer pulls somebody over. It should be routine. But given the conversation that this country has had, people get funny ideas in their head about what they can and should do when a cop approaches them. 
Wait, stay in the car. Stay in the car. Stay in the car. Get in the car. Dude, I'm stopping you. Do you have a license? Do you have a license? For what? I'm stopping you. Do you have a license? What done? Do you have a driver's license? Do you speak English? Yes. Can I see your license? Hey, what are you want? Now, where would this guy have gotten the idea that it's a good idea to disobey the cop, not listen, and argue right off the bat? Hmm? He got the idea from everywhere. Our culture, media, Joe Biden, <laughs> their actions, their rhetoric, this whole insane campaign, this is the result. And he puts his own life at risk. No, no, no. Stop. Stop. Put your hands right. Because since the left has delegitimized law enforcement, you're not supposed to cooperate, right? Because it's all about systemic racism, right? And this is the result. Struggling. It never should have gotten to this. And the man tries to grab his stun gun. Okay. Now, this point, tables are about to turn. The guy breaks free, grabs that stun gun. The officer has to kill this man. And the officer is now in serious trouble facing murder charges, I believe. That's where this insane conversation has brought this country and people like that at risk, fired up by the media. And the media excuses the, excuses the leftist lunacy every step of the way. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not, generally speaking, unruly. It's a classic. We'll never forget it. We'll never forget it. It's all in my book. Uh, I'm proud of it. Uh, thank you for considering it. Justice for all. How the left is wrong about law enforcement. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. Classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, the, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So the but anyway. Street was in a locked garage. Yes, as well as my Corvette. It's not just conservatives who are shaking their heads and laughing at this absurdity of a president. We believe that many liberals, including Michelle Obama, <laughs> senses a real opportunity here. Uh, a lot of folks think she wants to be president. I'm one of those people, and there may be a plan to make that happen. Uh, there's a book and a movie called Michelle Obama 2024, Her Real Life Story and Plan for Power by investigative journalist Joel Gilbert. Joel, Welcome back to the show. And uh, was this week a bit of a game changer? Uh, what do you think the Obamas are saying about all this behind the scenes? Well, I think uh, you got to remember that I think it was the Obamas who engineered the uh, Joe Biden nomination by working with James Clyburn in South Carolina. I think this was probably a plan of the Obamas to begin with. And then, of course, Obama filled up the Biden administration with all his old cronies from Susan Rice to Samantha Power you know, up and down the bureaucracy. It really is the Obama third term. And to the extent to which Joe Biden kind of doesn't want to be a lame duck. That's his motivation, I think. Uh, when he says he's not running, he's a lame duck, and then his position is diminished. So uh, I think this is uh, Barack Obama and his cronies 
kind of letting Joe know that he shouldn't think about trying to run for a second term. And that was the, the reason that these documents were released. These documents were released. So, I mean, uh, you believe that Barack Obama is actually pulling the strings here? Or is this the kind of thing with a wink and a nod? It's just understood. Uh, I think uh, Obama has controlled the Biden uh, nomination from the beginning and the presidency. So, uh, yeah, this is kind of loosely understood. Joe is talking about, I'm going to announce and I'm going to run again. It's kind of got a big head. And I think this is their way of uh, getting him back in line. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm fa maybe we'll never know. I think your theory is plausible. We may never know how the trigger was actually pulled on this, these documents. Tell us, though, before this happened, you were really convinced, and you still are, that Michelle Obama wants to be president. Uh, that's How is that going to go down? What happens next? And why her? Look, uh, Michelle, I've been following her for the last four years. Uh, she's clearly following the exact same formula that Barack did to become president. Barack was the keynote speaker for John Kerry in 2004, introduces the candidate. That's the position that they give for the next candidate. Michelle introduced Joe Biden at the 2020 convention. Of course, Barack had a voter registration organization called Project Vote in Chicago. Michelle founded When We All Vote, running around the country making political speeches. And then, of course, Barack based his candidacy on his personal story, writing an autobiography, uh, Dreams for My Father. Michelle wrote Becoming, her own autobiography, which is a political document. I've read it and went on a world book tour. She just followed it up with another autobiography called The Light We Carry. It's not a self-help book. It's another autobiography. And she, uh, you know, is out there giving political speeches all the time. So I'm convinced that she's been kind of on the down low positioning herself for this moment. And I think uh, she's playing the game that she's kind of not interested, but she's uh, going to end up saying, well, you know, I, I hate politics, but I love this country and I love this nation. And people have asked me, so I'm going to form a committee, yeah. you know, but it's all in the works. The, just like the Clintons, the Obamas are never going away. And right. I think Michelle's make her move. So, uh uh, loves this country. There's, we're not so sure about that. And uh, the way she looks at some people with disdain. Here's a moment from her own documentary. Uh, what was going through her head on Inauguration Day for Donald Trump? To look around at a crowd that was not reflective of the country. And I had to sit in that audience, one of a handful of people of color, and then listen to that speech, all that I had sort of held on to for eight years, watching my husband get raped over the coals, feeling like we had to do everything perfectly. So by the time I got on that plane, it was a, a release of eight years of having to try to show up as we all know we have to do. Raked over the coals. Did you just say Barack Obama was raked over the coals for eight years? That's not how the Obama presidency was treated by the mainstream media. Uh, we're out of time, Joel. When does this happen, if it does happen? Uh, I think uh, sometime in the summer, or as late as fall, because Michelle has total name recognition. She can raise money really quick. I think it's definitely coming. And, you know, go to SalemNow.com. You can watch my film or, or get the book on Amazon. Love it. SalemNow.com, uh, Michelle Obama, 2024, her real-life story and plan for power. Joel Gilbert, thank you. We'll be right back. Well, what does it all mean? Joe Biden, one hell of a week. I think, personally, he's done forever. Documents in the garage, right next to the Corvette. 
You know, I know parts of the swamp want to protect him, but there got to be some ambitious Democrats who have had enough and have no more use for Joe Biden. And what does this mean for Donald Trump also? Let's bring in one of the greats, Dick Morris. He has got a great book, The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. He's always talking to the former president and maybe the future president. Dick, welcome back. How are you? And what do you make of the Joe Biden situation, please? Thank you, Greg. Before we do that, and thank you for your comments about my book, but I just got your book, Justice for All. And uh, I just got it a few hours ago, and I've been reading it, fascinated with it, about what the woke culture is doing to the criminal justice system. Recommend that book to everybody. You're so kind. Uh, Thank you very much. I think what this does at a minimum is it wipes away any possibility of Trump being indicted over the document scandal, the archive scandal. And further, it demonstrates the dual standard here applied to Trump and Biden and everybody else, where they raid Mar-a-Lago, they search his house, they rip it apart, and uh, he has the power to declassify documents. And Biden, who doesn't, uh, discovers it two months before Election Day, waits till after Election Day and tells them that he's got these documents and nobody searches anything. Uh, I think that Trump is creating a case here that the government is determined to deny him the presidency and that they'll use any method they can to do that. And I think that is going to backfire massively and lead to an almost consensus nomination for Trump for president. You can't look back here and talk about each of the stuff they're doing to the guy Mm. and then say, but I think I want to be for DeSantis. Uh, Trump's case is overwhelming. And I think the more it piles up that they are absolutely screwing him, uh, the, the better the case comes. In terms of Biden, I don't think Democrats are that willing, that ready to get rid of Biden. I think they have to be forced to do that. And uh, I think that they're holding Biden there, uh, propping him up. If you say he's going to run again, I always say that's not dependent on the polls. It's dependent on the actuarial tables. You know, uh Great analysis, but, and I only have a little bit more time, 80 years old, he obviously is um, not ready for a traditional campaign. I mean, he makes mistakes all the time. You don't think somebody like uh, Gavin Newsom, or we had another guest earlier, Michelle Obama's like, you know, what do we need this guy for anymore? He's served his purposes. Let's get him out. I don't think Michelle is going to do it because Biden is her husband's puppet. And everything Biden does is what Barack wants him to do. Right. In terms of Newsom, I don't think the Democrats will permit a dissident to step out and challenge Biden. I think the party will close ranks and close down anybody that's trying that. The mantras Hillary is giving and Newsom is giving and all of them are giving is that if Biden doesn't run, I'll think about running. All right. But as long as he's nominally running, I think he freezes the field. Makes sense. Perfect sense. Uh, thank you very much. And the book, again, you got to get it. And thank you for you, uh, that you're reading my book. Yeah, it's, I'm honored. Yours, uh, I, to- uh, totally honored. Totally honored, uh, Dick. Um, but the return- I'll read mine if you read yours. <laughs> <laughs> I've read yours cover to cover. It's fabulous. And uh, <laughs> others should, too. And mine as well. Thank you, Dick. And we'll be right back. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next week.